The solemnity of the Immaculate Conception always happening in the beginning of Advent can help us understand its purpose. It can also contribute to our misunderstanding it. Because in celebrating the Immaculate Conception, we're celebrating an event that would have happened 15, 16 years or so before Christmas. Not the conception of Christ in the womb of his mother. We celebrated that slavishly, literally, nine months ago on March 25th, nine months before Christmas. We celebrate the Annunciation making it more difficult for you to remember, the gospel that we just read is from the Annunciation, from nine months before our Lord was born. But what we celebrate today is when Our Lady was conceived without original sin in the womb of her mother. So that's why I say about 15 or 16 years before our Lord was born, maybe even 17 or maybe less. And so it's fitting then again because we are nine months in our mother's womb. In nine months, we will celebrate on September 8th the birth of Mary. Now that that's clear, we can begin to understand, well, why do we celebrate it? The opening prayer today had three parts, and we're just about through the first part. We acknowledge that by the Immaculate Conception of the Blessed Virgin, God prepared a worthy dwelling for his son, a worthy mother. It's absolutely necessary that our Lord's humanity be real and not faked and not pretended. The reality, the authenticity of of his humanity comes from the fact that he had a human mother in exactly the same way that we have a human mother. He received from her all of her humanity. God the Father would have had to intervene at one of two points in order for Christ to be truly without sin, which is, as we should already assume, absolutely necessary because he is God. By virtue of interfering with Our Lady passing on to her son, Jesus Christ, all of her humanity, so that he didn't get any of the sinful part, or in Mary being conceived in her mother's womb, so that she didn't receive anything sinful from her mother, St. Anne. We can see already how it's fitting then for, for the sake of Christ's humanity being obviously completely perfect and authentic, it's more fitting that Christ be able to receive from her, from his mother, everything that's human about her. That's the first part. The second part perhaps is more interesting. At what point did preparations for Christmas begin? The gospel passage here is nine months before. I've already told you that we're celebrating an event that's 15, 16, maybe 17 years earlier. In the first reading from the book of Genesis... We can pick up that preparations actually probably began thousands of years earlier. God condemns the serpent, the devil, and says, I will put enmity between you and her. So between the devil and Eve. But then the language becomes even more symbolic, as symbolic as it already is. 
between your seed and her seed, between your offspring and Eve's offspring, he will crush your head. He will bruise your head. He being the seed of Eve, her seed, he will bruise your head while you bruise his heel. And so when we see that Christ really is the son of Mary, more so than he's the son of Eve, God the Father in Genesis 3.15 is already speaking of Mary and speaking of what her son will accomplish for our salvation. We can hear it again. I will put enmity between you and her, between your seed and her seed. He will crush your head. You will bruise his heel. Christ will completely vanquish sin and death. What will the devil be able to do? The cross, which honestly doesn't amount to much because it's really just a bruise. Death isn't the end of our existence. It's simply the separation of the body from the soul. And in Christ, that only lasted really a few hours. Not to diminish anything of the horror and the suffering of the cross, but thousands of years prior, it's described as a bruise, and fittingly so, because the the cross is now our emblem of victory. And in fact, if we pay attention to the second reading, there is a line that might have jumped out. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world. So even more than thousands of years ago, was this already in the mind of the creator? That one of us, the best of us, Mary, would conceive and bear a son, and she would need to be perfect because her son is going to be God. That's then the second part of the opening prayer. And you can correct me because I didn't memorize it word for word, but God prepared by the virtue of the Immaculate Conception of the Blessed Virgin, a worthy mother, worthy dwelling for his son. In view of his cross, which you foresaw, which you foresaw, which God the Father foresaw. So not only is Mary already known from the very beginning and is going to be prepared to bear a son so that he can die for us on the cross and win this victory over sin and death, but she is able to be conceived without original sin by virtue of the merit which will come from the cross. You see, you might even think, why is it that this is, a, this is a solemnity, a holy day of obligation? Why did the Pope even have to issue an infallible teaching to clarify this? It, it wasn't for the sake of clarifying that Mary is holy and without sin. Any decent Christian already knew that. That's, that's necessary. She is his mother. Of course she's holy. Of course she's the most blessed of all creatures, holier than all the angels. What was being clarified is how and when. What the Pope made very clear is that this was done not as a special favor to her. This was done as a matter of justice, but not because she already deserved it, 
but because she would be able to benefit from the merits of the cross that would happen later on. But God isn't limited by time and history and place. And so it's not just so that the saving act of the cross can happen, but by virtue of the merits that she would be able to enjoy before the historical event, she was conceived without original sin. In the prayer of the gifts, in Latin it's called the superoblata. It's the prayer that I'm going to say right before we start singing, the Lord be with you and with your spirit, lift up your hearts, we lift them up to the Lord. Right before then is the prayer over the gifts. It's one of the very, very few prayers that's specific to that exact mass. And in this mass, the prayer over the gifts, the superoblata, includes a phrase that I want you to recognize when you hear it, because it could pass by without you cluing in. The phrase that will be used is prevenient grace. Prevenient grace. Even advent. Advent is the dawning, the coming. Prevenient is that thing which came before. After school mass this morning, I had kindergartners repeating after me, prevenient. And everyone can get this. And that's the key. That's the reason why this is so fascinating. Of course, Mary's holy. But how is she holy? By the blood of the cross. That's going to happen later. It's the only thing that makes us holy. We're not made holy because God randomly decides, mm, okay, you can be holy. No, it has to be by virtue of some grace, some actual act that sanctifies us. And for all of humanity, even for her who, who came before, it's the blood of the cross. And why is that important to us? Because that's how we're going to be sanctified. That's the third part of the opening prayer. That just as God did that by virtue of the cross, which he foresaw, so may he also sanctify us. It's not only Mary that was in the mind of God months before our Lord's birth, years before our Lord's birth, thousands of years before our Lord's birth, from before the foundation of the world, but it's each one of us, each of you, in the mind and the heart of God, from before the beginning of all of this that you can see, did everything so that you could be sanctified, and live with him forever in heaven. We won't deserve it. But we will become worthy of it. The very same mystery by which Mary is worthy of becoming the mother of Christ. Not because she already deserved it, but she was made worthy of it. As much as a train wreck as your life feels sometimes, you can be made worthy of heaven, of dwelling with God, of God dwelling inside of you. And by a mystery of God's mercy that in some respects is even more astounding than the Immaculate Conception, he actually chooses to take up his dwelling inside of you even before you're fully worthy 
We may be in the state of grace and thereby know that we can go up and receive Holy Communion in good conscience. Are we perfectly worthy of having him inside of us? Not by a stretch. But he chooses to because he's going to make us worthy of something that we know is, is beyond, our, beyond our merit. It's not beyond our dignity because God, God made our dignity. He created, created it precisely for this reason. So with renewed respect and honor for the Blessed Virgin Mary and greater awe for what God has accomplished, we ask her to help us in cooperating with this amazing grace. O Mary, conceived without sin, pray for us who have recourse to thee. O Mary, conceived without sin, pray for us who have recourse to thee. O Mary, conceived without sin, pray for us who have recourse to thee. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.